And today, we're continuing in that series. But today, we're going to, last week, Pastor, he introduced us into the book of Esther. We were talking about Esther, Malachi, and Hanan, but more so we focused on Malachi, how Malachi, he refused to bow before evil Haman because that represented worship to him. So on that thought, we're going to turn to Esther chapter 4. We know, and just, just giving you some background before we get started, Esther was chosen to be queen but Esther was an orphan, so she didn't come from the, let's say the, the higher class people, the greater people where the queens were normally chosen from, the families that they were normally chosen from, the prominent families that they were chosen from. But Esther was chosen to be queen. And our women's a lot of the ladies here, we, we studied the book of Esther. And we had a, a marvelous study and insight into the book of Esther. And as we went through, a lot of healing took place. We were healed in a lot of areas that we probably hadn't even thought about throughout the years. But God did an awesome work in us during that study. And so today... It's, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of information. But God will highlight that spot, that spot for you that's just for you. And when he does, you will just know, now that's for me. And so that's, that's what I want the Holy Spirit to do today. I just want him to, to, in each and every one of us, I want him to just highlight that spot in his word and through his word that will minister to you and to your situation. We are all dealing with something, whether big or small. I mean, what's big to me may be small to you, but we're all dealing with something. And as we deal with what we're dealing with, we want to stand firm on the word. Pastor always remind me of the song, as um, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So when we stand on the word of God, it's, it's a solid foundation. We don't have to worry about sinking. We, don't have, we, we may go through life, and we may wiggle, and we may wobble. And I always use that example. But we may wiggle, and we may wobble. But we, even, even if you fail, God's hand is there to lift you up. So as we go through the word today, just, just open your heart to receive what the Lord has for you. So Esther, chapter 4. And I'm going to go through all 17 verses because I need you to, to hear it, okay? But follow along. Esther, chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had happened... He tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate 
for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go in to the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's promises know that if any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself may not have, excuse me, I myself have not been called to go into the king's these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Amen. Mordecai, okay, we know Mordecai because he didn't bow before the king before Haman, the evil one. Haman, for those who may have missed last Sunday, Mordecai is the cousin of Esther. Uh, pretty much he raised her. Mordecai, pretty much she did what Mordecai told her to do. And so this was the same thing. But Haman was the evil man and he hated the Jews. Now, the evil that Haman had in his heart for the Jews, we don't know how many people he really affected with that, 
but to be able to destroy a whole race of people, the entire Jewish people, that was pretty evil. So he made plans to kill all the Jews, and Mordecai is mourning and crying out publicly outside the king's gate. Now, from my study, I found out that to stand outside the king's gate and, and mourn and wail, um, that was the, the way the Jewish custom to mourning. So that expressed their sadness. So as, the, as Mordecai stood outside the gate, I imagine it was to get Esther's attention as well. Because I imagine her knowing that it's my family that's out there, something must be wrong. So and her being in the palace, her not knowing the decree that had been made, it, we, could, we could take that a lot of different ways. But he was basically telling her that you have got to do something. You have got to do something. So once again, we must remember that Mordecai took a stand when he would not bow before Haman. So he's telling us to take a stand for your family and for yourself. So Mordecai and the Jewish people were devastated when they found out that they would be destroyed. So the, the date that was set was a year from that time. So can you imagine the torture, the mindset of the people when you know that in a year I'm going to be killed? So we can relate that to our lives now in the things that we go through. We kind of worry about that thing and, and that it goes through our mind constantly. The what ifs. The, what if the most terrible thing that you are thinking, what if that thing happens? So for the Jewish people, the worst thing that could happen was that they be destroyed. So as their custom when they were mourning, they would wear sackcloth and ashes, and ashes across the forehead and sackcloth as their clothes. But Mordecai, he did this at the king's gate. And I thought about, is it possible that Mordecai felt bad because he didn't bow and caused all this? But then I thought about, evil doesn't need a reason to be evil. Evil just wanted a flame, wanted to add to the flame. So evil is designed to, to torture us. So even in the torture of knowing that it's possible that in a year that we're going to be killed, but one thing to point out is that Mordecai, he believed that God was going to deliver him. He believed it because he said, if you, Esther, if you don't do it, it will come from another place. So we get that early. We get that early because the faith was there. And another thing, in the book of Esther, they don't mention God at all. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther not once. Not one time is it mentioned. But when, as you go through the book of Esther, 
You see God all over the place. You see him all over. So today, as we, as we learn and, and get into the story of Esther, want you, I want to encourage you that no matter what you go through, God is right there. It may look like he's not there. It may sound like he's not even saying anything, but he's right there. But the enemy would would have you feel, oh, where's your God now? He don't care nothing about you. But that's the enemy. He is a liar. And no matter matter how the enemy comes, you could just bet he is telling you a lie. He, He can... What he does is take a partial truth and flip it into a lie. But God's word is the truth. And when we go through and we get into that word and we learn the truth of that. So we, we think about the lie. Whatever the lie is, go to the word for the truth. So, as Mordecai has told Esther, you got to do something. You got to do something. No matter what we go through, no matter what Esther and Mordecai and the Jewish people were going through, God, he heard everything. He knew exactly what was going on. He did not turn a deaf ear to them. The fact that they put God in it when they fasted and they prayed, but it doesn't say they, they prayed, but when we know fast, then we pray. But they cried out, and they fasted. So that's putting God in it right there. All right, so we know that. So Esther gets the message from Mordecai. Do you think she was afraid to take that stand or go into the king? Because if you couldn't go before the king, without being invited. So she was saying, I haven't been before the king in 30 days. Is it possible I, I didn't please him the last time I was in his presence? Is it possible that, that I did something wrong when I was in his presence and just not pleased with him and he doesn't want to see me? But made up her mind. She said, if I die, I die. So she had already made up in her mind that no matter what happened, I'm going to do it. And that's what God wants us to do. No matter what we go through, no matter how bad it hurt, no matter how difficult it is, God wants us to, whatever happens, trust him. He wants us to trust him no matter what. He has all power. He's able to do anything but fail. So if that worst thing does happen, it has a purpose. So as believers and as God's children, we have to believe that all things work together for the good of those that love him, those that love him now, that are called according to his purpose. Don't always feel good. Don't always look good. And sometimes we, we 
go through it dragging out, I mean dragging and, oh, and barely feeling like we barely making it. But God has a purpose. He has a purpose. So as Mordecai sends back that message to, to Esther, going back to Mordecai, he tells her three things. He says, your life is in danger too. You are queen, but you're also a Jew. God will help the Jews in a different way if you don't speak up. And the third thing is, this is what God made you queen for, to help the Jews. So when, when we come back to us now, he created us and he brought us into the kingdom for such a time as this. No matter what part you play, no matter what your role, you have a purpose in it. So I'm an encourager. I love people. So no matter what's going on, I encourage. So I've been told every time I say something negative, you always say something positive. But that's because that's what I know. That's, that's what I believe. My sister tell me that. I say something negative and you say something positive. But that's how we're supposed to be. If all of us are negative, where, I mean, how, what? We can't even grow in all that negativity. If you notice when you're negative as you go through, it just seems like it makes that process that much longer. That thing will drag and drag out forever. But once you make up your mind and change your attitude in the midst of what you're going through, then you can grow and God can do exactly what he wanted to do anyway. So in that, Mordecai showed that he trusted God, even though it doesn't mention God. He was asking Esther to trust God also. Even though he didn't say that, he said it. So telling her not to be afraid of the king, not to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. When we know God got our back, he got, he got us. We don't have to be afraid. When we must take a stand, no matter the situation or the circumstance, we do not have to be afraid of anything. When we stand for God, he will not allow himself to look bad, and he will not allow us to look like fools for trusting him. <laughs> he will not do that. He will not. So when we love God and we don't mind telling others how great he is and we live for him, our father will make sure that all we, everything we go through will work out for our good. And when we have the right attitude, it will bring God glory and it will also draw others to him because they'll see if, if God will look out for her like that. What will he do for me? And he has no perspective of person. So we're all his children. He loves each and every one of us. He don't love Pastor more than he loves me. 
Because my favorite thing is I am the apple of God's eye. And so are you. So with that, even when I go through, I remember that. And I'm saying, okay, God, this is hard. I mean, this is hard for me. But I know that you have me because I am the apple of your eye. And you love me so much. I, I remember that. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that of his word, of his truth towards us. Now, as people, as times, we spend a lot of time wondering, well, how will I look if this happens? And how will I, how will, you know, what, how will people judge me? What will the people think? But in the end, if we allow our focus to be on pleasing God, loving God, and trusting God, all right. Because the word reminds us that whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. So it, it, it doesn't matter. Now, when we think of dying, we think of, you know, buried, prepared for death, for burial and stuff. Um, but we could die to our flesh. We could die to the things of the world. We could die to knowing that God got it so I don't have to stress about it. But when we worry about what people think, and that's a hard one to get over, isn't it? It's a hard one because we are people, and we're always wondering. I wonder what she thinks. And, and you know, as women, I work around a bunch of women, and I, I be around a bunch of women, but women are so critical of each other. So critical. You know, I don't like those shoes, and look, she thinks she's cute in them shoes, or she thinks she's cute in that dress. It doesn't matter what people think, because when you buy what you buy for yourself, it's yours. It's yours. Whether I like what you're wearing or not, it's yours. You're the one wearing it. I'm the one wearing it. And this is, I like it, so it don't matter. But as women, we're supposed to be drawn to, to encourage each other. That's your style. That's your style. So you wear your style, and I'll wear my style. And that wasn't even part of what I wanted to say. But, but as women, as women, God has, he has a, a heart. Our heart, women, the enemy wants to steal your heart. He wants to contaminate your heart. When we as women, okay, as women, married women, as family, when you are upset in your house, when the woman is upset, the house is, it's not. And, and even though, and even though in my house, even though I'm not fussing, I'm not complaining, I'm not saying anything, but they know. They know she's not in a good mood. So, and I try not to be a moody person, but sometimes life gets hard and, and your mind just gets bogged down with stuff and you just feel overwhelmed and just like, uh-uh, bothered, you know? But when we're, out of, when we're out of whack, when we're out, our house is out. But God wants our, he wants our heart to stay fresh and pure before him. So we can't go fussing and cussing and, and acting a fool because we're having our moment. 
can't do that. First of all, our family, our children, they're watching us. So how we act, that's how they're, they're going to feel their support. But that's, that's not it. So instead of us fussing and cussing and screaming and, and having a fit, we're supposed to go fight our battle on knees in prayer. So even when it get hard, Lord, this is hard. They're getting on my nerves. This, this thing is really pressing on me, and I need you to help me. Help me to say the right thing. Help me to do the right thing so that I won't discourage my family. So I won't discourage somebody that come to me that need me. So if I'm all wishy-washy and sometime it, when that person need my help and they come, I, 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 I could read people. When I'm around somebody, when I get ready to walk in a building or in an office at work, if somebody is in a, they don't want to be bothered, I could sense it. I walk in, good morning. Good morning. That means I don't feel like being bothered. So I say, have a good day, and I walk on out. I go to somebody else who can help me. But as women, we just want to make sure that we keep our hearts pure, that we, we, we stay, stay in our word and we stay prayed up. And, and even when it gets hard, just reach out to God. The enemy, he wants us to believe that God don't care. He wants us to believe that uh, you can't make it. He wants us to believe that if this worst thing happened, I'm going to die. And we have to be careful what we say because those worst things, the enemy can orchestrate it where he will. It, it, it'll be so close to death that, but speak words. Remember, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So whatever we speak, that is what it will be. So Beth Moore said, Satan has a limited leash where believers are concerned. His most powerful tactics are psychological. Though he can't possess our minds, he profoundly and destructively influences our thoughts. Satan loves to torment us mentally, takes our peace, but here in real life, we learned a while back that he don't take our peace. We give it to him. We give it away. So when we walk around not trusting God, give the enemy our peace. So when we give him, that, give him our peace, that's when we fall into depression. And, and, and when we go through, it, it could cause sickness. We get sick. Just everything feel like you're just shutting down. But it's all the works of that not trusting. So when all of the ifs, questions, and the concerns that come in in our thoughts and in our heart, no matter what it is, give it to God. He said to cast your cares on me, for I care for you. No matter the battle, we must remember that God is with us. And we, when we are faithless, he 
is still faithful. So, so after Esther has prepared herself to go before the king, and she, she goes before him one time, the first time, and I imagine that he knew it had to be urgent for her to risk her life to come before him. So he extended the scepter to her, but she extended safety. So she was safe. And then he offered her anything she wanted, basically, because he said up to half of the kingdom, I believe. But basically, you could just say he was offering her anything she wanted. And so when he, when he asked her what did she want, she didn't respond. She didn't give what she wanted at that time. But she said, I would like to invite you and Hanan to a banquet. And I will prepare. And so when they did the banquet, when they had the banquet, he asked her again. And didn't respond. She planned another banquet. So this banquet would be special, y'all. So the next banquet, but before the banquet now, okay, now Haman, being that he was invited to the banquet by the queen himself, you know, you're invited to a banquet and, and it's going to be me, the king, and the queen. So he was feeling real special about that thing. He was feeling real good about it. So as he left, but on the way out to the palace, he had to pass Mordecai. So as he passed Mordecai, once again now, that hate rose up in him. But I imagine he said, oh, it'll be over for him after a while. And so he went on his merry way. So when he went home and he was bragging to his, his he had a little thing with his family and his friends, invited them over, and he was telling them all about the favorable things that had happened. Him, how he was invited to the banquet with the king. So and it, you know, and him feeling so special. He already thought he was special. Remember, because he the people were supposed to bow before him, and when Mordecai didn't bow, he was upset with that. So after he done bragged to his family, his wife said, "Well, why don't you?" have a gallow built said 75 feet and hang Mordecai on the gallow. So that, that's, now think about a wife saying something like that. That's just as bad as when Job's wife said, curse God and die. But he, he was happy with that thought. Like, oh, yeah, that'll be good. That's, that's good. That's good. So he prepared. He had the gallows built, but he prepared himself to go before the king to ask for permission to do this. He couldn't just do it now. He had to get permission. Although the, the king had given him the authority to do quite a few things, but he had to get permission to do this thing. So as he went to the king, preparing to go to the king, to mention to the king about killing Mordecai. So through this night, the king couldn't sleep. So while he couldn't sleep, the, he had a book of 
uh, book of something. I, I can't think what it's called right now. But he had a book read to him. And this book had a list of things that actually happened. And in the book, it came to a part where Mordecai saved the king's life. So, and, and then he wanted to know, well, what did Mordecai when he saved the And they said nothing. So that was odd too. But we know that with God being in it, God postponed that reward until a time like this. So, as the as Mordecai was coming along and preparing, then the king he must have asked, like, "Who's out there? You know, is anybody out there?" He wanted to talk to somebody, and they said, "Haman is here." So he invited Haman to come in, and so let's let's go to. To Esther, let's go to Esther 6 and 6, and we're going to go through the 12 verses. We're going we're gonna to get to the bottom of this thing here. See, this part, I could tell you, but this part, you just got to gotta hear it. Tell me when you're ready. Esther 6, chapter 6, verse 6, going through 12. Ready? So Haman came in, and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. So look how, look how that worked out. He thought he was winning. Haman thought he had it all figured out. But even in the midst of that, God, uh, God set up an honorary uh, mention for Mordecai <laughs> at Haman's expense. Now, so we have to be careful how we set traps for other people. <laughs> how we make destructive plans for other people. 
Because what he, what we set out for other people, it'll happen for us. So just like that, that was Daniel in the lion's den, when they, the set trappers, they, they had done toll on Daniel and everything, and they throwed him in the lion's den, and the lions didn't bother him. But all the ones that, that um, they threw in after they pulled Daniel out, that lions ate them up. So once again, we have to be careful how we, how we handle people, how we mistreat people, how we make plans to destroy people. And, and not just destroying people physically with death, but destroying them, their spirits, their, their, uh, yeah, the mindset and the self-esteem. We have to be careful because the, the enemy, that's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy you. The, the, the word says that he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So, yes, he wants you dead. So if you're dead, you can't impact anybody. You can't help anybody. You can't do God's will dead. But if here you have life in your body, you are able to help somebody. You're able to encourage somebody. You're able to pull somebody up. You're able to influence somebody to bring them into the kingdom of God. So, so Haman, with his evil self, he done did all this, and now he done pretty much put his foot in his mouth because he thought that the parade was supposed to be for him. So I imagine if he had known that this was for Mordecai, do you think he would have went all out? All expenses um, paid, he wouldn't have. He probably would have gave him a little certificate or something. You know, when you're expecting something big and you get a little certificate or a little ribbon saying, good job, you know. But... We just, we just know that, that it wasn't good. So, all right, so after all Haman had done, wrote, had allowed Mordecai, well, not allowed, but he mentioned what he wanted to have, and so this was given to Mordecai. So when Haman got home and he told his wife about this, his family knew it wasn't going to end well. They knew it. They knew that it wasn't going to end well because, uh, because the king favored Mordecai. So, as he went on, once again, no matter what's going on, God is in it. He is in it. That reward was postponed until a needed time. So, in the middle of everything, after he done told his wife what went wrong and his family telling him it's not going to be well. If, if the king has favored Mordecai, it's not going to be well. It's not going to go well. So in the midst of that conversation, his ride come to go back to the king for the evening banquet. So this is the final finale now. So as the king and Queen Esther and Haman is in that banquet room. And now the king asks, what is it that you want? What is your request? And let's go to, let's go to Esther 7. Let's go to Esther 7. And 
We'll just go through the 10 verses real quick. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So King Asherus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Then the king rose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Esther, but excuse me, but Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life. For he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now, Harbinah, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, the gallows 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. Wow. So all of that. God was in the midst of all of that. Wasn't mentioned about the scripture. No God, nowhere it wasn't mentioned. But can you see him? Can you see him? Yeah. So the fact that Esther she was afraid, I imagine she was afraid, but she was afraid, but she did it anyway. She went into the presence of the king anyway. She did it afraid. How many times do we change our mind about things because we're afraid? I know, I, I know I've done it many times. And then when I don't do it, when I, whatever that thing is I'm supposed to do and I don't do it, it's like I missed something. I missed it. It was a blessing in it for me if I would have just been obedient and did it. But because I was afraid, I didn't do it. But the Holy Spirit bring everything back to you. So that thing that I didn't do, bring it back to me. Saying, I've you know, you know you should have did that. And I know, we know as, as you 
come into relationship with, with God, the Holy Spirit, he's there to remind you, to lead. All we have to do is follow his direction. Just follow him in everything. But our attitude in whatever we do, it, it's got to be right. It's got to be right. The enemy wants your heart to be all junked up so that the, the, the full thing that God wants to do through you and in you, it'll be blocked. The blessings that would come from, from because of you, it would be blocked. So our families, they need us to have a heart for God, to, to go after God for real. We can't live that lukewarm life hot sometime. I'm hot for God. I love God today. But then when I get around certain people, I have to cool it down a little bit, you know, tone it down. But the world doesn't tone anything down for us. The world pretty much says anything goes. But we can't follow that. We cannot follow after that. We have got to follow God in all that we do. Even in our small decisions, we've got to include God. So if we're out to please God, when we love God, we strive to please God. As we please God, he gets the glory in everything. It's like um, we hear uh, a, this word, a life, a life poured out for God. That means that everything in my life, it, 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 it goes for God. It's about God. If it doesn't please God, then it's, it's, I don't want it. So taking a stand, it involves so much God. All we have to do is think about God. If we keep his word in our heart and on our mind, and consider him in all we do, we will, we will have a life for God. The kingdom, we could have a lot of gifts and talents, and we could pour it out to the world, and the world think it's good. But if we can't impact the kingdom, I, I, to me it's wasteful, because we could do it for the money, but money doesn't solve all the issues. It, it solves some issues, but it doesn't solve everything. That's why it's such a high rate of suicide. Um, when people have a lot of money, they, they end up killing themselves, or they, they drink themselves to death, or they overdose. Um, but a life poured out to God, after all God has done for us, when we think about, when we just think about all that God has done for us. Okay. Saved me. When I wasn't even thinking about him, he was thinking about me. Everything. When my life was in a mess, he considered me. <laughs> he had a plan for my life. Even when I didn't even think about him, I didn't, didn't care nothing about him. Now, a lot of us, we went to church. <laughs> we went to church. We played church. But we didn't, we didn't accept him for real. But now that we have him for real, 
we think about the wasted times we had when we didn't. And I always say, had I known that loving God would be like this now, I would have did it a long time ago. A long time ago. But I didn't know. I didn't know. But now that I know, now that I know, no other life, life would not be worth the living without Christ. So our attitude in the midst of whatever we go through has got to, we've got to stay faithful. We've got to stay prayed up. We've got to just trust God. Everything. It won't always be easy <laughs> because we're flesh and blood and our mind, our thoughts, they, the enemy just tries to torture us with the worst. But when we know that God has a plan for us, he has a plan for our lives, and the plan is not evil. <laughs> it's not a, he doesn't have evil set in his heart towards us. He doesn't. He doesn't. When we understand that, then we know that everything that happens, everything, it does work out for my good. And I keep saying it because I want you to get it. It does work out for our good. Can you think about the, the thing that, that happened that you felt was the worst thing? You cried a lot about it. Even if it was somebody who left, you cried. Your heart was broken. You was all in turmoil about it. But then when you look back, years later, months later, and you see the good in that, I mean, I know I'm not alone because I know I've, I've cried about a lot of stuff throughout my life, but some of the things that I was devastated about, God worked that thing for my good. I would have been, I don't know where my life would have been had I stayed where I was, had I had I stayed where I was, had I stayed in relationships that I were, was in, if I would have stayed there, I could have I been dead because I was, I was suicidal. I would have killed myself because I couldn't deal with the foolishness and the stress. Mm -mm. Not no more. Because when you are standing on a strong foundation you, you can't go there you can't but the enemy will play with your mind he'll play with your mind so when we accept Christ for real for real for real it makes a difference it makes a difference so all the everything that we go through, we got, to, we got to keep hoping, hoping. We have hope in Christ. If we don't have Christ, then yes, we're hopeless. But we have hope when we stay in Christ. No matter how hard, 
no matter how difficult it is, no matter how devastating it may be, we have hope in Christ. We have hope. So I got one last scripture, Isaiah 49 and 16. I want everybody to turn there. Isaiah 49 and 16. Isaiah 49, 16 says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And the version I found, it says, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. So anybody ever wrote in your hand so you wouldn't forget something? So when we write in our hand, it's like, like this here making sure that you don't forget. Sometimes you write it on paper. You might leave that paper home or you might leave it in the car. But when you write it on your hand, you keep looking at it, right? So God has written my name on his hands, which lets me know that I'm really important to God. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're struggling through, God always has my name in front of him. He is always thinking about us. We are always on his mind. God loves us just that much. He truly does know each of our names. <laughs> so as we see that God keeps us on his mind, <laughs> as we live this life, let's keep him on our minds. Let's keep him in our hearts. As we keep him on our minds, it will cause us to be more aware, more focused on pleasing him and living for him. That's a, that's a deep thought, right? So when you're going through, just look at your hand and remember that God has my name written in his hand. He has my name written in his hand. So... No matter what we're going through. Remember Esther, they were the Jews. They were going through the worst thing that could happen, that they could be killed. But they kept, they believed that God was going to do it. They believed. And even after, when Haman was hung, Haman, the family was hung too, you know, down the line. But the, the riches that Haman house had, it was given to Esther and Mordecai. It was, it was given to them to, to take care of it. So what the enemy means for our bad, God turns that around for our good. He allows everything to happen for our good. The key, and I keep saying it, is to love God. As we love God, then everything, everything that happens in our life will work for our good. So God has forgiven our sins. He has his love for us is as high as the heavens, and we can't reach up and knock on heaven's door. <laughs> We can't do that. So 
He has forgiven our sins as far as the east is from the west. So when we imagine the east and the west, and Benny explained to me that east and west doesn't run out. So can you imagine that your sins are forgiven that much? And so when, when God says he loves us, his love for us is as high as the heavens. So we can't reach up and, and get to an end. So his love for us, his love, he loved us so much that he was willing to be that sacrifice for his father. The sacrifice he was lied on. He was betrayed, he was beaten, he was killed for us. He took all of our sins and he bore them on himself for us. You may be thinking, I've done some messed up stuff, I've done some bad stuff, no way God will forgive me for this. But he will. All we have to do is ask. When I was a little girl in church, the older people used to say, I yield, I yield. I can't hold out no longer. I didn't know what that meant. But that's letting God know I surrender. I'm tired of doing it my way. I want you, I want you to do this thing. We can't fight these battles on our own. In our flesh, we are weak. But when we are in Christ, our, our weakness is made perfect in Christ Jesus. So we are strengthened in Christ. Today, if you haven't made the decision to give Christ your life, to give your life to Jesus, Take a stand for him. Take a stand for him.